Hello, this is Dr. Vance Thompson, and I'm here with one of my heroes, Eric Donenfeld, who does not need an introduction. And we're going to be talking about expanding the presbyopic practice, growing the population of happy presbyopia patients with the latest technologies. Eric, such a joy to be here with you. Vance could not say it better than that. Being with you is, is always great. And we're going to talk about a subject that's very important today and something that is really on the cutting edge because for the first time we have some new therapies coming out that we can really address patients' needs for presbyopia. How important is presbyopia in your practice, Vance? Well, you know, as someone who focuses on anterior segment surgery and uh, does a lot of refractive and cataract surgery, it's almost as common as astigmatism. <laughs> right. So it's something I'm dealing with daily. And the frustrations that patients deal with, I'm super excited about some of the new technology come along because I feel like I've spent a career frustrated on how to best serve the early presbyope. You know, and you're absolutely right. We've been able to manage refractive surgical problems earlier on with procedures like LASIK and PRK and SMILE. And for elderly patients, we have cataract surgery, which is an amazing refractive procedure. But that, that sweet spot right in the middle, that patients from 40 to 55, 60, we really haven't been able to offer them very much for a long period of time. And for me, presbyopia is the defining moment of middle age. That's when patients realize their own morbidity and mortality. They realize that for the first time they can't do something that they were used to doing their entire lives and losing the ability to read. I used to think of it before I became presbyopic, this was a cosmetic issue, an issue that was really not that serious an issue or not, not that important an issue. But I've come to the realization over time that presbyopia is more than a cosmetic problem. What do you think, Vance? Well, there's patients that literally, as you know, are fearful when it first happens, they don't understand what's going on. They think there's something wrong. And then once they get through that, the hassle factor sets in. Some of them, it even becomes a safety factor. And it just affects so much of life. And, and whether it's workplace productivity and then this digital world that everything is happening so much with our phone and computer, it's like, Presbyopia is there like it has always been and it bothers people, but it seems to bother them even more now with this near world we've progressed to. And let's just add on top of that, the kind of the cherry on top of the cake here is that you have COVID where people are wearing masks all the time and their reading glasses are fogging up and making it almost impossible them to function. You mentioned productivity. I couldn't agree more. People who are presbyopic have a hard time functioning in the marketplace. They just don't do the things they used to do. But you mentioned something that I thought was really interesting. You said safety. How does presbyopia influence safety? Well, not to be dramatic, but if they're in an urgent or emergent situation and a presbyope can't find their reading glasses, I've had patients come in fearful for having that happen again and please give me a solution for that to not happen. And the, the, the hassle factor, we think of the five diopter myope not being able to find their glasses as a safety factor every now and then for them. The same thing can happen with the presbyope because they're so incapacitated up close. Right, and th there are so many instances, a policeman, a fireman, a, um, a soldier, not being able to see the things up close they need to see to function really impacts productivity, but also safety. So 
let's not think of presbyopia as a cosmetic quality of life issue. Right. Let's think more of a functional issue. This is a problem that patients are experiencing now that they want serious answers for. It's a serious problem. We want serious answers on how to resolve some of these problems of presbyopia. So how do we address presbyopia today? Well, I think one of the main frustrations for presbyopes is they just don't want to give up their distance image quality. Whether it's contrast sensitivity, the way we talk about it in low light, they appreciate their good distance vision and they are losing their near, but they don't want to give up distance to correct near. And to tell you the truth, buddy, Go ahead. Yeah, so I, I was going to jump right in there and say that you and I have been involved in so many presbyopic therapies that have all failed, right. gone down in flames. Right. I, I, when I think of some of these things like scleral inlays, uh, corneal inlays, um, uh, topographic presbyopic laser ablations and things like that, all these technologies were, number one, irreversible, Number two, they, they, they had an effect on quality of vision and they impacted distance in a significant way. Right. So for me, I've just abandoned all these procedures. I don't do any of them anymore, which brings us up to some new opportunities that we're seeing today that are really exciting. Things that are reversible, that uh, allow the patient to be in control and that don't affect quality of vision at distance. I, I think that this is kind of the perfect situation that we're looking for today. And we just had an FDA approval of a product uh, just a week or two ago that for the first time allows us to treat patients with presbyopia with a drop therapy that's going to restore their ability to see up close. And what are the FDA indications? What do the, uh, these companies have to jump through? What hurdles to get to FDA approval? Well, basically in general, there needs to be near vision improvement. And it's... Nice if it's at least three lines of near vision improvement with these presbyopic therapies, but also we need to preserve distance vision. And so the safety of vision is very important and the efficacy. And one of the beautiful things about these drops, because they are a, you know, a bilateral treatment, um, the, you, we're, we're seeing that patients get good depth perception and those types of things that they don't want to typically give up with things like they've heard with monovision and stuff like that. And so I think the safety and efficacy of these drops, and it still kind of blows me away that these glaucoma type drops that someone thought after all these years of watching glaucoma patients read better, that why not consider it for increasing depth of focus by making the pupil small, it was right there in front of us. And it really is an exciting next stage in our armatarium. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Vance. And to have a drop that's reversible, you can try it on for size. If you don't like it, you're not stuck with it. It's non-surgical, it's economically very, very viable. And we're gonna have uh, these medications available uh, as soon as early January 2022, just two months from now. And we have a pipeline of about a dozen other different medications that are coming, and I'm very excited about all of them. And the key to these medications is not only do they improve reading, but for many patients, they're gonna improve distance as well. So you're getting reading improvement, and for a lot of patients, distance. Now, who are the patients do you think are going to be most interested 
in these medications going forward. What, what's your kind of your sweet spot that a patient's gonna come into your office and you're gonna say, why don't you try this medication? Well, personally, I think it's gonna be the early presbyopes. Those patients that are in their early to mid 40s that presbyopia is just starting to become an issue up to probably around 55, the mid 50s. And you'll see, we'll be able to try it on either side of that because of the safety, but I think it's gonna be that early to mid 40s to the mid 50s, that's gonna be super exciting before any lenticular clouding or scattering of light is happening. They still have good image quality. They've just lost near, and they really love the idea of, like you said, something reversible and safe. And for me, uh, you and I have been doing LASIK since its inception. Patients who have paid out of pocket for a surgical procedure to fix the vision, and there's no better procedure than LASIK, PRK, and SMILE. These are amazing procedures who have worn glasses for 20 years and now they have no glasses for another 15, 20 years and all of a sudden they're coming back to me and they're saying, hey doc, I have to wear glasses again. Do you have anything you can do for me? And these therapeutics are, are amazing for these patients. I think these are the patients who are gonna be really the low hanging fruit looking for a technique to improve their visual acuity. And they're coming to me right now very excited about this. And our practices may not be really organized right now for handling the patients that are going to be coming in. Do you see presbyopic topical therapy as being something more driven towards ophthalmology or optometry, or is it both? Well, I really think it's both, and I think we're going to learn more with time, but one of the things that I want to do is have them get to know us at the beginning of their journey into presbyopia, because for one, want to make sure their eyes doing well and there isn't things like optical scatter or early lens changes that are going to maybe lessen the success of the drops. Not that we can't try them, but we can educate them. Where is their lens status with regards to the clouding journey also? But it also introduces them to our practice and I think that it's going to be big for the surgical end of our practice and help people understand more presbyopia and what's going wrong. But I also think it will be good for optometry too and that they'll be working with a lot of these patients. We do a lot of co-management. We'll refer a lot of these patients to their optometrist. So I think it's gonna be complementary between ophthalmology and optometry. Yeah, I think this is an ideal situation where ophthalmology and optometry can work together uh, for better patient outcomes. Uh, the patients who are coming to us right now with presbyopia um, many times never get to see an eye care professional. They go right to the store, they buy a pair of over-the-counter glasses, then they never see an eye doctor. This will introduce patients to an eye care practice and bring them into the system so that they get continued care. Other diagnoses will be made earlier. It's going to be good for patient care and we'll bring whole entire families in for eye care that we've never seen before. So I'm very ex excited about having this opportunity in front of us to uh, work together with our colleagues in optometry to really uh, create an environment where everyone benefits. Right. The patients, the doctors, it's good for our practices and it's good for the patients. That's just a win-win for me. I love it. And before we wrap up on this, we've talked about the safety of the drops. We've talked about the efficacy of the drops of helping near and not hurting distance. We know we want low side effects. I'd love your thoughts on how about the duration of action? 
Well, that's a great question. And there's some patients who want short acting just for a couple hours, but I think overwhelmingly, patients are gonna want a drop they put in once a day that lasts for at least eight to 10 hours, that gives them that, that near vision that they're looking for so they can work an entire workday or go out for an entire evening and not have to worry about losing their reading. It's like the battery's kind of running out in the middle of, a, a, of an event. They, don't want to, they want to be able to see the entire day. So I think duration of action is really good. I think low side effects is really important. I, I like the idea of a non-preserved drop because preservatives, we know, are the enemy to the ocular surface. Right. And people have been taking these drops every single day. This is not a one-and-done drop. This is right. a drop every day. So preservative-free, I think, makes a lot of sense. Long duration of action. And again, having really good reading. Um, you just can't have a, a moderate improvement in reading. You have to get to a majority of your patients getting at least a three-line improvement in visual acuity. So I think for these patients, it's going to be an amazing opportunity to have these medications come forward. And the next couple of years, we're going to be able to test these medications. They'll be in all of our practices, and we're going to see which are the winners and which aren't the winners. And I'm putting my money on long action and low side effects. I think that's what's going to win the race. Well, Eric, I couldn't agree with you more. And thank you for listening. You all know that we have the optical correction of presbyopia with things like glasses and contact lenses. And we have some wonderful surgical therapies. But finally, for that early presbyope, we're going to have these pharmacologic agents that are really making it exciting. And I really have enjoyed this conversation with you, Eric. Thank you, buddy. Always a pleasure, yeah. Vance. <laughs>